Hello, and thanks for joining us for another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a fresh and insightful interview featuring one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. You can subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. And if you're enjoying the director's cut, please take a moment to like, share, or comment. We love hearing your feedback. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Angelina Jolie's new film, First They Killed My Father, A Daughter of Cambodia Remembers. Based on the memoir by Cambodian author and human rights activist Luang Ung, the film recounts the Cambodian genocide of the 1970s through the eyes of a five-year-old girl as she embarks on a harrowing quest for survival during the Khmer Rouge's four-year reign of terror. In addition to First They Killed My Father, Ms. Jolie's directorial credits include the feature films By the Sea, Unbroken, and In the Land of Blood and Honey, and the documentary A Place in Time. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Ms. Jolie spoke with director Jeremy Kagan about filming First They Killed My Father. During their conversation, Ms. Jolie discusses the challenges she encountered during the casting process, why she felt it was necessary to shoot in Cambodia, and her approach to shooting the film from the point of view of a five-year-old character. And that applause is so well-deserved. It's really a masterful piece of work. Really a masterful piece. Before we talk about Angie, you've worked with so many really wonderful directors. What did you learn from them? This is a room filled with directors and associate directors and production managers, and we're all part of that directorial team. And I'm curious, what, what, what could you say you, and oftentimes we don't get to talk to each other. No, what well, what did you learn? All, I, it, it means so much to me to be a part of this team because I've, I've not, I, it means so much to me to be a part of that team, filmmaking team, because I haven't had the confidence. I've been slowly trying to learn and I'm feeling, but it means a lot to be here with, with all of you, so thank you. Um, my, uh, I, you know, I sp you learn something from everybody. I, and sometimes you learn what not to do <laughs> because you can feel, because I've been on the other side and as an actor, I know the things that make me freeze up or the things that make me feel as, as at ease. Um, the sets that feel warm, I believe that sets can be happy and, and collaborative and you know, that, doesn't, that, that, that brings out the best uh, in people and you can still work very hard. Um, I learned a lot from Michael Winterbottom. He taught me a lot about just the way he stayed so fluid and uh, made sure everybody under, understands the realities, what's going on, very educated in the history if you're doing a real story, but then uh, finding the space to be loose. Um, everybody teaches you something. So I've, I've been very, very fortunate to, to be around a lot of great directors. Did anyone tell you what homework you need to do before you get on the set? Do they tell you that? And what homework, what homework <laughs> do you, let's say if this is the next day, what, what do you do, do the do? night before whatever the next day of shooting is? What do you it's do? It's different. It's different I, you know, for every film and especially for ones that you, you, you write on because then you, you're the one that's sent home with the homework of having to adjust the scene the next day. 
Um, for this film, it was it was actually very interesting because you know I when I was working with Roger Deakins, I was always very like I want to impress him with my shot list <laughs> and try to get you know everything I think is is right. And on this film, you couldn't really have a shot list. You it, we it was it was going to be her. It was going to be. Um, but then it was going to be what is she looking at and what is the what is the scene about and then it's going to be those things and over those things to her and so it was more about a list of clues so for example at the checkpoint it wasn't wide and tight and paw and things it was she has to notice that money uh, colorful plastic things western things paw's going to lie and somebody in a uniform is going to get taken um, but how she looks, when she looks, and what's happening has to just be as organic as possible, and then we have to kind of follow her a little bit. Well, let's talk about her. Let's talk about casting. Um, obviously, this is a non-acting group, I would assume, although that might be wrong with some of them. That, what was your process of casting these particular wonderful actors? Well, I, first of all, Cambodia is, and I know I love the country, but it is a country full of so many expressive, very talented people. Under the Khmer Rouge, they targeted artists. They killed intellectuals, artists, directors. You'd all be targeted. <laughs> you know, we all. Um, and and so, so it means so much to them. And they are, um, for as much as they're private about their past and they don't complain, they don't, you know, talk as much about this. They, when they have a chance to sing, dance, express, hug, chat, laugh. Very, very expressive people. So we had, every audition was blew us away. Every time we, g we gave people a chance, all, so many amazing people um, to choose from. So it, was, it wasn't that there was only one little girl that could do it. There were so many, but this little girl was particularly, um, I found her so intelligent. And I think, um, I think that's what reads on film, especially with a child. You can see that she's really thinking, and she's really taking it in. And she's and we had this. I said, act, tears are not acting, laughing out loud's not acting. None of that's acting. All you have. To, I just want you to listen, and just let. I'll put things around you, and you'll feel them, and we'll talk. But don't try to do anything. And yeah. That would be bad. And sh and she. She she started to give more and more. She made the choice. Uh, did you shoot with her to some degree in sequence? I'm asking this because the tears at that last moment as the explosions are all going off um, are pretty, it's an amazing moment. That was towards, yeah, that was towards the end. And she had actually figured out, I mean, it's gonna sound like a, but she did, there was one day where I was watching a scene and it was saying goodbye to the, the brother and sister. And I saw it, her cry. And I hadn't really seen that, and I thought, is she okay? Is she is she really into the scene? What? And then the next take, she cried again, and then the third take, she got emotional, but she didn't. Tears didn't come. Down. I said, cut, and I ran to her, and I said, that was so amazing. That was the thing. And then she said something in Khmer, and it was translated. And I said, what did she say? And then she said, she's sorry she couldn't do it the exact same way the three times because she knows the tears didn't fall. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, she's like. Conscious Aware? of me cutting a film, or how is this possible <laughs> that this there. child is, yeah? And but but she had she was exploring, she was enjoying it. She was kind of like she talked to her mom and her mom. They talked about thinking about things that make her feel this way or that way, and having. And so she was kind of like started to stretch her muscles in what she could do. And and uh, and what I realized is that, and I think it's for a lot of people, maybe for, is that when you're emotional, 
you hold it all in, but if you have to make a sound, it tends to bust out of you. And so I knew she'd be holding and holding, and so when I, I knew I'd I asked her to scream some names, I knew that sound would have some effect on her. Same with when she says pa, if you just kind of have to release a sound, it, it does something. In, this, in that particular moment near the end, though, I don't think there's any sound that she does admit at this particular moment. Oh, when that, it was yeah, after, no, she, she screams for Chu, she screams for her brother and sister, and that got her somewhere. Got you know, she was there, she was thinking, she was feeling, she was in it, it went a while, it went a while, and then she screamed, and that kind of just brings another level of your, your being forward. Um, but then she just was overwhelmed, and, uh, and, and, and then just came out. I really, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't tell you there's something very special about her. There's no question now, but it, it, since I assume your, 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 your language of this is not that strong in yeah, these casting but, sessions, who was there? Who was, was it anybody else besides you? And how did, could you know as you listened oh, to the Oh, in casting sounds? sessions, they did, well, there was a lot of different kids. We, we worked with NGOs and we worked, we went to schools or orphanages and sometimes they, sometimes they were with their parents or sometimes they were with their teachers or sometimes they were, and uh, they didn't know what they were auditioning for. They thought it was a, like a school play or some kind of a thing. And, um, and what did you ask them to do? They, well, we would, it was an improv in order to get, none, you know, since this is very little scripted, so they all had different improvs, and one of the, you know, so there was a, you know, you're going to, you know, we'll, we'll this, this is about the Khmer Rouge, these are about, like, police that are in the city, and so they catch you, and you get in trouble, and things happen like this, and so we're going to, you know, g give you a cookie, and then you're going to, you know, here's a cookie on the table, see if you want to eat that cookie, or... You know, or here's something you want to take. You know, here's a, here's a, you know, whatever it is, and then they, and then you're gonna get caught, and then just react how you would react. That's all. We're gonna just, we're gonna play a game of different things. So they were all different, and they kind of changed with the different things. And I wasn't there for for many of them, but uh, but for me, it was also meeting them after. You know, I they can do auditions, but then the actors you want to work with. I just spent days. We actually had a pool party and regularly had pool parties because I felt so bad all week being so tough on these kids. So I, the most important thing was that as a director on this one, they had to see me just be really goofy all weekend so they would be really at ease with me all week. Um, but I had to see them play and they spent, uh, and they became a family. They were stuck together for the weeks before the movie to start to treat each other like family. When you made the decision to choose her, as you said, there are other girls that could have played the part. Do you remember? Not as good as her. But do you remember <laughs> <laughs> what it was? I mean, did you, as we often do, did you have callbacks with, with and see her a number of times before you said, I know? Yeah, well, I had, I had them, um, I actually had them go to her home. Uh, like, they went, they had callbacks with different kids where they'd bring their family members in and then you'd see how they relate to their mom, to their dad, to their brother or sister, see them play, film them when they don't know they're, you know, completely, they're in the waiting room or they're, just tiny little things, more, who are they? Who are they as people? You know, and she, and she had, you could tell she had a really great mom who was with her every day on set, really funny, loving, um, that you knew would help pull her through it and, um, and that she at home, we, we, when we knew it was her, I also just wanted to know a little bit about her, and they went to her, and get her used to a camera, and see how she, even at home, like washed her dishes, and her toes hung over the thing, and she did her, you know, just to, just to get to know her. 
The father is also a wonderful performance. Who is he? He is the um, translator at the International Criminal Court. <laughs> and he did do a small role in a little French film once. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he works as a translator. He's amazing. He's an amazing person and obviously very close to these, uh, these issues. And when you were putting that family together, because it feels like a family, there was time that they did spend together and so that... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they'd, like, the parents of the kids or the guardians of the kids would kind of stay over there, and then the ma and pa with the kids would spend the day with them. They'd wipe their mouth. They'd get them ready for the pool. They'd, do, you know, they'd kind of, they'd act as a family with the parents kind of staying back and saying it's okay. But it's very Cambodian. It's a very tight cultural family, so you can kind of... You, you know, they, they, the whole community is a family, so it, it can work that way very nicely. Were there parts for you that were real challenges besides these? Where I said, this is, uh, I'm having trouble finding someone to play this part, or was that not an issue? It wasn't as much that. The hardest thing, I think, was, it's actually the, was the Khmer Rouge. Um, you know, getting people to be the Khmer Rouge, uh, how to train them to be the Khmer Rouge, to put those uniforms, to be in a country that hardly talks about the situation um, and have people putting on these uniforms and talking and learning and screaming and doing the rants and getting the Pol Pot book out and getting the, getting the propaganda back out actually felt almost really uncomfortable to even have little kids screaming the propaganda and putting it back into a country. So it... Um, so, so that was tense, and, and but really every single the thing with this film is it, it's really an ob it's not my film, and you know this as filmmakers. It's it's but this one really really isn't. It's not my story. It's not my life. It's not my film. I I was there to make it possible, but I listened and I stepped back a lot. And every single crew member, every single person that's Cambodian on this film, um, was affected by this war, and so this was. It was so humbling to be uh, with people who were there walking this walk in the Exodus because it was the way to pay respect to the mother or father that was murdered during the war. And so um, just to, to be in that environment where you're just wanting to make sure everybody's ready. We had a lot of, we had a therapist on set every day. We had a lot of people having night terrors, um, you know, just, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, everything came back for a lot of people, but but uh, I believe it was cathartic and they held together, but that was what was hard. You knew that there would be scenes where people would would have a really bad, uh, really difficult, really, really difficult time. And because you know that they are reliving this, this world, and then one of the issues that we all recognize as, as filmmakers, particularly if we go to a place that's not ours, we go in, we do what we do, we take what we take, and then we leave. And the effect that we can have sometimes can be overwhelming. And clearly, you were dealing with this even day by day. Mm -hmm. We had we had everybody. We had a lot of blessings. Um, we had I think we had monks on set. <laughs> Every time I got nervous, I had a blessing. But uh, we had spirit houses also everywhere, so wherever. And, and there was something really beautiful. There's, there's something that happened one night. We did this, um, there was a night with the kids and the explosion when the bomb goes off on the tree, the shrapnel. And, and you know, there's children, and we have very little minute hours, and I'm directing the thing, and you want to get moving, and we've got to get this thing. And it's a big action thing. You're trying to explain everything. You're so focused on that. 
blow the tree up, and I, ah, I don't like it, it doesn't. And somebody said to me, there, somebody heard children crying in the forest. And I said, what are you, what are you talking about? There's, well, count the kids, where are the kids? We have to, and we don't have enough lights to flood this. We only have like two lights. We don't have enough electricity. We're in the middle of the jungle. Um, we have to count the kids, we have to stop everything. And as we were doing that, kids are there, somebody else said somebody else heard it, and then Rithi, our producer, came up to me and he said, it's the spirits of the forest. Cambodians are very superstitious. Um, this is land where people were murdered, and we're Buddhist, and that is a live thing that you're blowing up. And people are feeling emotional about it. And and I said, oh, oh okay, what, help me, what, do we, what should I do, what do we do, how do I? And they said, you need to pray. We need to take the time to pray and acknowledge what we're taking. And, and, uh, and so we got incense and water and things, and we stopped, and everybody stopped, and I got on my knees, and we thought about this and prayed to this tree. And, and, uh, and then, the, you know, we moved on with the night. Everything went just beautifully, and everybody was calm. And, and, uh, and what that taught all of us, how, uh, what that taught, you know, what that says about what we do and what that reminded us all of. And, and uh, so, and that's one example of many, many days we had situations like that where we would stop and remember what we're doing and what we're taking and, and just be very humbled by the situation and, and learn from it. So we're all, I'm very grateful to it's have a good had lesson such an for experience. All of us. Yeah. Really good lesson, actually. Be conscious of what we're doing. The um, spaces that you were in, like where that tree was, mm -hmm. this you, you cover an incredible amount of territory. Talk about your process of finding these locations. Well, we were very lucky to, you know, I wouldn't have shot the film if they didn't let us shoot it in Cambodia. Um, we had to get many permits. It's a very sensitive situation to bring to bring this back. Um, but we were able to work with the Apsara authorities. I've worked in country for about 14 years, so we know a lot of the deminers. We know a lot of the, we swept a lot of areas before we would shoot because you have to do that and check for um, mines. Where I have a, a home, we found 48 and a bunker. Um, so it's very real and uh, and but but it's such a beautiful country, and I hope you s saw that was part of the goal. Was will we? Uh, yes, I want to. I want to show you the experiences, the war. Um, but I also want you to love this country, and respect these people, and see how beautiful the people, the country. And I think the country knew that we would talk to them about that, about being able to give us the ability to shoot and and um, what that means. But they're also very patient. We had to close down Badambong and close down places. And this is not, they're not used to films. They don't, you know, they're very working people who say, you know, this is my shop. You can't close me down for a day. <laughs> like, so they, they were very understanding of what the goal was. Looking at, for example, the, the, the last battle, um, which has got this, this sort of river that they're crossing, was this something that you'd written? This something that she had experienced that was written in the book? Was this something you found? That is a very specific location that has all kinds of challenges in it. And finding that or even determining that, can you sort of talk us through how that one was found? What well, it could have been. I mean, she, she had a long journey. And I think, you know, I saw a few sentences about a river. But in my head as director, it was the river. So it became, you know, it's, it's true, but it, we decided to 
so much of it was just editing the book. It's not really, I didn't add as much as I just had to have less. And I just, yes, I thought the river was very dynamic in a way of showing the two different sides and putting her in the middle. And because everything was what she can see, you can't put her, you, you couldn't put her in the corner because she couldn't see certain things. And we would do that. We'd, if you saw our set, you'd think we were all, we, everybody was walking around on their knees all the time trying to figure out like what she could see and if I'm over here and what, you know. And so if, if she's not right in the center of that river, you, she's going to miss a lot if she leaves too quick, if she's too low in the water. So, so that became, a lot of it became um, where can we find a place with, and we found this place that had a spot in the center and what would it look like and then how do you bring the Khmer Rouge in around the Vietnamese and what is the goal and the strategic as you do when you direct a section, you know, what is this saying? And then how are we gonna tell the story of, of the Vietnamese that the Vietnamese did win? How do you tell all of the exposition without talking and just giving clues of here the Vietnamese come and they have slightly bigger equipment? And that's, <laughs> that's all you know, but that's yes, gonna tell bigger, you the, the end. Do you the know that so they got bigger guns, they seem to have more power no. and so you know, when I first watched it, this is just a personal, I didn't know whose side was anybody there. And that was, in fact, reminding me of so mm. the classic image of war. Who knows who's on what side and where? Who's, yeah, just children and the women. Yeah. The children in the middle. But setting up a sequence like this, which is really complex and, and, and well-designed. Storyboards? Pre-designed? Pre-viz? What did you do? So I, we didn't have the money for <laughs> storyboards. Um, a lot of sketches on napkins and papers in restaurants. Um, and then we did go out, you know, everybody does these days with your iPhones and you kind of have random weird shots of you running around going, okay, if I'm here, and then you have like, you know, your line producer going, okay, now you're her, going, and, and um, I should get that footage actually, some really good embarrassing footage of the... That's gonna be very good. That's gonna <laughs> be good on the DVD <laughs> and the Blu-ray. You should definitely go for it. It's really good. Um, so, so yeah, and working it, and then bringing them in, and, and uh, yeah, how do you get, you know, who can swim? There's like basic things you suddenly were like, oh, does anybody know how to swim? Who can swim? Are there snakes in the water? Do we have to blow up little things to move the snakes out of the water before you, you know, if the, and who's the local guy that this is the place he brings his cows through every morning who's gonna be really mad because <laughs> this is, and the, you know, you have to respectfully deal with a few different things. And, and then also there's sensitivity. There's sensitivity with the Vietnamese and the Cambodian and the situation and being Vietnamese in Cambodia now is sensitive because there was occupation and Vietnamese there. So a lot of Vietnamese don't want to come out as Vietnamese. And it's just, it was so, so lots of different, so the uniforms themselves, the, the situation itself was bringing up lots of discussion. Do you um, remember the time it took to shoot that sequence? I think we just had about, I had two days on main unit and they had two days and second, you know. I got it. But so I had to be with her, so we had to split it, obviously, where who, you know, you have to shoot her out, and, and that how it did help with the, because a lot was her POV with her hours, you know, to be able to shoot her and then shoot what she sees. Were there scenes for you that were real challenges? I mean, obviously, this is a challenging scene, no matter what, for anybody, but I'm curious if, there, if, if that's an example of a challenging scene versus actually the scene with the, the kids in uh, and, and one of their intimate moments, what were the challenging ones for you as a director that you recalled this second? I think it was more, it was more before we started shooting this idea of what was the POV and how to do it where it wouldn't feel like a gimmick and, and how to be able to tell the story just from her. So we, we had days of looking, you know, if this is the little girl, 
and she's looking at, you know, it, how close is everybody to her? How do we move the camera in this way? How do we, and we actually had a day where we were, really we thought we were being very clever and we were being her and we were filming her and then we said, okay, so now you're looking up at your mom and so we realized how close we have to be to the other actors and get them looking into camera or how her arm's gonna reach around the camera so if she reaches for something or all these different, how do we put hair on the camera? <laughs> Everything like that. And I thought, I think we think we got it, but we realized at some point that we were just doing the kind of what she sees, not what she feels. Because really, it's the POV is distracted, or focused, or hesitating, or afraid, or or and you can't she can't just look because we want her to look over there. We she has to look because something draws her to it first. She can't look and then see a bomb. She's gonna look when she hears it and catch it after and all of this kind of stuff. So we we were at lunch and we said, ah, oh, this is just I'm not sure we're getting this. It all looks really strange and and then I said, let's just watch her. I just watch what she does. I just see what she does, and and we watched her, and she she kind of like when we when we weren't telling her to sit and look and do things, she walked over to a tree, and she kind of like looked at the tree, and then she looked at her feet, and she looked at the tree, and then she kicked off her shoes, she looked at them, and she put her hand on the tree, and she climbed up the tree, <laughs> and then looked at us, and we thought that's that's it, that's what we have to figure out. We all have to like go home and try to remember what it's like to be five years old. We have to like. <laughs> You have to be in a scene and know that she doesn't care about this scene. If she she is way over here looking at something else, or she's, and but she won't be forever. So how do we mature that POV? How do we talk about spending a lot of time with the Steadicam operator talking about how she feels? Is she because that little girl who looks away from blood is scared, has pigtails, hardly can do has to be the girl that we believe pulls every her brother and sister out of the river and is savvy enough to calculate the war zone and pull herself through it. And you have to somehow just believe she's become that. That, re that reaction um, she has to when the young boy gets shot um, in this mm. last scene was for me pretty astounding because it was absolutely specific in hers and I have no idea where that came from. You know what I'm She's about. very talented. It's but not my directing. Did you do the Sam Fuller? Did you fire a gun? I no. Mean, no. Not the, I don't even remember Sam, that moment. I mean, there's just so much of her. You could just pick. from. There's so many different beautiful reactions, and she would just... There were things going on around her. I mean, that the one thing we had to do is you couldn't kind of not... You couldn't do her close-up and not have to do everything off-screen. Every time you run her close up, you had to do everything off so screen. So the boy getting, he, yeah. she had to see it. You, you couldn't, okay. you couldn't just Got cheat it. that. So we really had to keep it, everything real for her. And that was a lot on the other actors. I mean, the, the characters playing the parents, you know, there were days where you hardly see them. They didn't have close ups, but they had to give and give off camera for her because they had to pull her focus, make her feel. Very generous, let's all of the actors. Let's talk about the fantasy scenes, not the fantasy scenes, but her memory. Well, a couple of them are. Some fan um, food. How did they evolve? <laughs> Were they something that you had scripted? Were they things that evolved in the process or even editorially evolved? Yeah, all, all things as we, as we know. So uh, they, some of them were written out, some of them were, we would try and try with play with things on the day. We even had a day where, I mean, I have so much extra weird footage. I have a whole other kind of movie that's the, oh, every time we'd be shooting, you know, some strange thing we'd see with a spider web and you'd, everybody would get on their knees and start playing with the, you know, or, you know, we'd flip things upside down or have, 
we didn't know, but uh, but the things that held were were there for a reason, and we wanted to make sure that they were really poignant and really symbolic of how her mind was growing and things like that. And I, the upside down shot in the beginning, I'm, I just happened to fall yeah, in love. That's just, I, do you remember how that one happened? I mean, you've got the dancing, the the, the masks. Uh, we just had this. I, there was also a discussion of you know that. This film, it was really important to me. 70% of Cambodia, Cambodians are under 30. And my son's 16. I wanted him to understand this film. He's Cambodian. And I wanted to make sure that this film wasn't just made for those of us who love and are very interested in history. I wanted to make it a little, it was 70s, it's a child. I wanted to have that, that edge and that, and that edit that had a little bit of something that was that made this di different, to absorb it in a different way and keep it very alive. And so when every time we were shooting something or playing with something, um, we would we would always think that. And so that was part of it. It was, well, you know, can we do the monkey dance in the in the middle of the this with the Khmer Rouge and why not? And we found that outfit the, that morning and we experimented with something. And then um, we, you know, we're playing around in the edit with, you know, popping colors and playing with things and what's the child's mind. It's it's very freeing, isn't it, to you get into the mind of a child and then it's it's you look at the world very, very differently. So it sounds like in the editing room this this movie also evolved. My first cut was about six hours. <laughs> and I liked it. <laughs> but you, you just you really felt what it was like to be in an exodus. You were just walking and walking and walking, and I thought, good, this makes me feel famous. So it's terrible. That's, that's an enormously delicious amount of time to be able to, and then, boy, to, to make the decisions. Did, did, did sometimes you have to ask somebody, help me here, because I'm going to let this be six hours? Did, did your editors finally say, Angie? It was maybe? hard. No, it was really hard. We got, we got stuck at like 2.45. We got really, really stuck. We couldn't. We were having so much trouble, actually. And there are a few scenes that are missing that I that that are really good scenes and very strong and important for different issues. And but they just couldn't. We couldn't ask you for ten more minutes. So you know, we kind of felt like we just can't. But it was it was hard. Sound design is very powerful in this piece too. Um, Glenn Freeman. Were did any pre preconceived or was this as yes. it? Oh. No, we talked. I, I really love sound design. Maybe it's because as an actor, I tend to. I've seen scenes where I'm in and I and the music is ahead of me, and I always feel uh, yeah. it, it gets sad before you get sad, and I get. <laughs> sad. So, <laughs> that's so, very well observed. So, so I kind of feel very. So I don't like to edit with music often. I I tend to. I do sometimes, but I I think sometimes I almost cheat because I can get too excited about the music and it all works. You use like. You know, music from some some great classic movie, and it looks amazing. Um, so, but so I start with sound design, and with this one, I really felt we wanted her to have her senses magnified often, and and one of the ways to do it was to suddenly enhance sound on occasion and to show you, and and then things you didn't notice. We really spent a lot of time on what is the dry season, what is the wet season. It's four years, but in Cambodia, it doesn't rain. It doesn't. It's very hard to tell that a year's passing. It's wet or it's dry. It sounds like crickets, or it doesn't. It's, it's so, so, um, so the sound of the country, and then little sound, little things that she would pick up on, um, and so he and he's just so wonderful, um, Glenn. So, what's this experience for you of when the movie's done and it first gets seen? Where are you? Uh, well, you know, there's different layers of that. There's the first time Luang saw it, and. Um, 
I think she saw the four-hour version. Um, and she's so amazing and so, you know, just really, truly an amazing woman who's so generous of spirit and so forgiving that uh, she made it she made it easy. But um, I was terribly nervous to show her. And then she and I had to show her family. And then she and I were both ridiculous basket cases kind of running around trying to, like... Um, but it all went beautifully, and they were really receptive, and it was very... Um, the thing that I think is meant, meant so much is that it's not that people say, when Cambodian people have seen it, and then we brought it to Cambodia, but when they've seen it, they don't say, this is, it doesn't seem to be that it's this important or this was heavy. They tend to, folk, they know that it's about love and family, and they know that it's, it's about how amazing their people are in their country. It's, they know that it's not, uh, so it doesn't leave them with, which it's, was not really, really the goal, that it would not leave them feeling uh, broken, but actually leave them feeling very uh, proud of what they had survived and really feeling like it paid respect to those they lost. And so it would be, um, it would actually be a nice experience for them. And I did find that. When we brought it to country, it was, we, we had the honor of having the king and uh, queen mother came out and they were in, the, the king was in exile. And, uh, it's just very complicated, the, the government there, the country. So it's, uh, when we had, we had people who were ex-Khmer Rouge, we had NGOs, we had victims of the war, we had uh, government, we had everybody in the country from different aspects came forward and we all watched it outside at Angkor Wat. And it was just the most amazing, uh, really, I mean, well, overwhelming you, experience. You've honored the, that country, you've honored the people who went through this horror, and you've honored us by making a phenomenally good movie. Thank very you very kind. Much. Thank you. Thank you all very, very much. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. Don't forget, you can check out past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll have a lot more for you in the coming months as awards season approaches, so stay tuned. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date on the great discussions we have coming up. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.